Throughout this podcast, we've talked about many of the influences that have made MacArthur who he is today. There's his father, Jack, his mentor, Charles Feinberg, men like Martin Lloyd-Jones and his dear friend, R.C. Sproul, and of course, the Apostle Paul. But there's a particular group of ministers from long ago that's had a massive impact on his life, the Puritans. That Puritan age really began in the middle of the of that same century, the 16th century, with the ascendancy of Queen Elizabeth to the throne of England and the removal of Bloody Mary from her reign of terror. This is Steve Lawson, Dean of the Doctor of Ministry program at the Master's Seminary and a lifelong student of the Puritans. His helpful overview of the Puritans is from a 2013 sermon titled The Puritan Commitment to Sola Scriptura. After Mary's reign, it became a new day with Elizabeth on the throne. And there came now the new movement known as the Puritan movement, which sought to purify within the church of England and bring the church back to the purity of sola scriptura, sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christos, soli deo gloria. It was these Puritans who were so mightily used by God. Few movements in church history have ever been more Bible-centered, Bible-oriented than was the Puritan movement. In the States, every school-age kid has heard of the Puritans. It's almost impossible to make it through the American educational system without reading The Scarlet Letter, a novel by Nathaniel Hawthorne, or The Crucible, a play by Arthur Miller. It's also nearly impossible to read those famous texts and not think the Puritans were harsh, unloving, superstitious, cruel religious leaders, men who took pleasure in punishing anyone who didn't live like they did. Hester Prynne, though you show no modesty in your apparel, Yet you have a chance still to repent your sins. Child, do you not believe that you have sinned? Nothing could be further from the truth. Those who identified with this movement did not call themselves Puritans, nor welcome the label when others applied it to them. This is Jeremy Vuolo, an associate producer of this podcast. Reading from The Quest for Godliness, J.F. Packer's brilliant book on the Puritans. For it sounded in their ears as what it seems originally to have been, namely, an insult, a term of abuse, implying censorious Phariseeism. Never have I missed J.I. Packer's elegant and interesting accent more than when Jeremy just said censorious Phariseeism. Maranatha. Packer is saying that since they first came on the scene more than 450 years ago, the Puritans have been misunderstood. They were not Pharisees of any kind, especially not the censorious type. They were singularly devoted to the pursuit of God. Here's Jeremy again, with my apologies, and another great quote from Packer's book. Puritanism was, among other things, a holiness movement, as we have noted already, 
and the preachers never lost sight of the fact that Christ calls to holiness those whom he saves. This emphasis on what Walter Marshall, one of them, called the gospel mystery of sanctification, gives the Puritan literary legacy a distinctive flavor and thrust throughout. Packer is right. The Puritans were simply in love with God and his word, and their passion for the glory of God has shaped Christians for generations. On that point, here's one more quote from J.I. Packer. The characteristic Puritan passion for exhaustiveness would regularly kick in. Several doctrines would be raised from a single text. The explaining of each would involve relating it to other doctrines, and this could take up much more time and or space. Finally, the application would be branched out to cover different categories of readers, or, at first, listeners. A text, therefore, might well end up with a very large cartload of divinity attached to it. Did you hear that quote? Exhaustiveness and a cartload of doctrine. That is a great description of John MacArthur's preaching. He is, in many ways, a descendant of the Puritans. When I was in seminary, was looking for sources that went as deep into Scripture as I wanted, and I found them when I found the Puritans. I didn't find them in the contemporary world. When I found them, I, I, I felt like I found my people because they, they, they showed that you could, you could go into the Scripture and you could stay there for months or years and come out halfway through a book. So it was, it was that commitment to the Word of God that I was looking for um, because I knew that was the trajectory that I wanted my, my life in ministry to take. The first Puritan MacArthur read was John Bunyan, author of Pilgrim's Progress. And then he found Stephen Charnock, author of the massive book, The Existence and Attributes of God. Perhaps the Puritan who most influenced John was Thomas Watson, with his Body of Divinity. Watson in Body of Divinity said, To be unsettled in true religion argues lateness. As feathers will be blown every way, so will feathery Christians. Therefore, such are compared to infants. Children are fickle sometimes of one mind, sometimes of another. Nothing pleases them long. Just so, unsettled Christians are childish. The truths they embrace at one time, they reject at another. Sometimes they like the Protestant religion, and soon after they have a good mind to turn papists. Of course, that reflects the fact that they were always playing off against the heresies of Roman Catholicism. Uh, Watson also said that the ship may be kept from overturning. It must have its anchor fastened. Knowledge of biblical doctrine is to the soul as an anchor to the ship that holds it steady in the midst of the rolling waves of error or the violent winds of persecution. They also understood that speaking in analogies naturally is vital. I've said this through the years. I can tell you whether a guy's a good communicator by whether or not he spontaneously speaks in analogies. Because people who speak in analogies are fighting for communication devices naturally. If I have a conversation with a guy and I never hear an analogy, I know he's gonna struggle as a communicator. Because those analogies are like turning bright, bright floodlights on some truth that you're looking hard to see. 
and all of a sudden this analogy, like, you know, the, the, the bottom of the ship is designed so that it doesn't go over. That's what the keel is all about. Those kinds of things help communicate a truth. So they were, they were, they were the best at that. And Spurgeon was like that. He picked that up. He got a lot from them. Um, here's, here's Spurgeon on, on Watson. Spurgeon wrote in a foreword to the body of divinity, Watson's body of practical divinity is one of the most precious of the peerless works of the Puritans and those best acquainted with its prize at most. There is a happy union of sound doctrine, heart-searching experience, and practical wisdom throughout all his works, and his body of divinity is, beyond all the rest, useful to the student and minister. You know, when you look at Spirit and when, when you look at Spurgeon, you can't even understand Spurgeon apart from the Puritans. He he just he just drew down. I mean, at the top end of the Spurgeon funnel, the Puritans were just coming down the sides and and came out distilled in in Spurgeon. In his classic work, The Quest for Godliness, Packer said that Puritan faith stood in marked contrast with the superficiality of modern Western Christianity. In the Puritans, he saw a vision of godliness that is desperately needed by the church today. I think you're deluded if you think you can tell people how to live their life and that's motivation. That's not motivation. What motivates someone to live a godly life is this overwhelming reality of who God is, who Christ is, and the richness and the depth of that understanding moves the heart in ways that somebody's advice could never, ever do. The Puritans understood that it was all about it was all about the, the God that you understood. Well, the Puritans knew that. They, they were inexhaustible at retrieving the depth of the character of God as revealed in Scripture. And um, that, that was the attraction to me. I, I just always knew there was more in the Scripture than even I typically heard from most preachers and even more than what I even heard from teachers in seminary. To help this generation mine the depths of God's character, just like our Puritan forefathers did, a group of pastors and theologians, men who've been shaped by the Puritans, will gather this October in Southern California for a once-in-a-generation conference on the Puritans. I'm really, really excited uh, about the Puritan Conference being held in Grace Community Church October 5 to 7. This is Joel Beakey, president of Puritan Theological Seminary and pastor of Reformed Heritage Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. What we're doing is we're looking at intro level material in a bunch of different areas. For example, how do the Puritans teach us about God? How do they make God so big? That, that's one talk, the big God of the Puritans. Uh, I'm giving an address, for example, on the, the view of assurance of faith in the Puritans. How do you know that you're a true believer? The Puritans have so much to teach us on that. Joel Beakey is leading the Puritan Conference. 
He's the one who had the vision to bring together some of the finest theologians alive to Grace Church to talk about how Christians today should be shaped by the Puritan vision of life and faith. Lincoln Duncan's looking at the Puritans on the Christian life. Uh, John MacArthur's looking at their enduring legacy. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson's looking at their experiential theology. So we're, we're, we're doing a number of things. Uh, we're looking at their story, their history. And what we're trying to do is help people realize that here is what I think is the richest group of godly writers, biblical writers of any period of church history. And they have so much to teach us still today. Let me just mention a couple things. Um, the Puritans teach us about how to cope with affliction. They went through a lot of affliction themselves. They wrote a lot of books on it. And um, they have they have teaching in all their affliction, for example, or lifting up for the downcast or the mute Christian under the rod. I'm just mentioning some off the top of my head. They have wonderful teaching on how to cope with life's disappointments and to end in Christ. And then they were Christ preachers. They, they lift up Christ, they exalt the triune God, they were Trinitarian in their theology. So if you really want to be God-centered, give God all the glory. Well, the Puritans are fantastic at that, stirring up your heart to lay hold of the living and triune God. So do, do come and join us for this conference, uh, October 5 through 7 at Grace Community in L.A. And um, I, I believe it will be the best conference uh, on the Puritans that's ever been held. Again, the Puritan Conference, October 5th through 7th. Sign up today at puritanconference.org.